Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live right here from beautiful Central Florida in Studio B here at Raven Ministries International. If you're joining us for the very first time, we just want to thank you for, for coming and being a part of our daily expository teaching in the Word of God. We are on a... Uh, on a quest to, to know Him and to search the Scriptures, to, to see if these things be so, and to, uh, to allow the Word of God to be hidden in our hearts that we will not sin against Him. Folks, listen, God has blessed us and given us this, this Word, this Theonustos, this God-breathed Word to, to, to bring into our lives, to change and to transform us, to empower us, to give us the, 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 the ability to overcome and to, to know Him in a tremendous way. And so we come here Monday through Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to get into the Word of God. He tells us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, to, to learn to rightly divide the truth, that we can be workmen who need not be ashamed. Folks, listen, the shame of the world is not knowing God. But the, the, the strength and the encouragement of the believer is not only just knowing God, but knowing God's Word and knowing what He, he has said and allowing Him to breathe His Word into us. So if you're joining us for the first time today... We just hope that God breathes His Word into your heart and life and that, that God will teach you and give you something that's going to empower you for greater service, to walk in righteousness, to give you the ability to overcome. And uh, if you're here today, we are on our lesson, uh, actually class number 146 in this expository teaching in the book of Romans. Uh, but we're making these, uh, these available through our website. You can go to www.biggrace.com. We've actually got a new uh, uh, server for the, uh, the sound that we're working on right now, and so we hope to have all of these classes up on our, uh, in our archive uh, here this coming week as we're able to get those downloaded into the system. But those are available. available. If you want them on disk, you can actually come to my, our website and uh, email me at raven at biggrace.com, raven at biggrace.com, and you can uh, request all these classes in their entirety, and we'd love to send those to you. Boop, 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 absolutely free of charge. No charge because we have freely received. And so we freely give. We'll even pay the postage for that if you want that. It's actually raven at biggrace.com, R-A-V-E-N, ampersand, B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. You can request those. We'd love to send those to you or anything else you want. Also, encourage you to go to our website and uh, check out uh, really the ministry of Raven Ministries International. Uh, God is doing some really neat things and uh, really some advancement in the kingdom. Last week, I shared with you some that we were in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with uh, Pastor Sam and Lucy. And then up there was Pastor Frank Vega and Carmen, his wife, starting a Raven Philly. Uh, some of you guys just saw that just came on. Uh, uh, Pastor Monzel Ford and uh, his wife Obed are starting Raven South Florida. And so you're going to see a lot more of them. And so God is doing some neat things. So if you're in any part of the country, uh, you can actually go to Raven and click on Raven Nation and uh, get those links to these various teams that work with us uh, all across the United States, Canada, and rapidly going blah, 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 beyond these borders and enlarging the places of our tent and extending our cords. And so, so uh, thank you so much for being a part of, of what's happening and what God is doing. And we thank you so much for being here with us today where God's Word is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we, we praise God that we're able to come and hit the switch of God's Word and allow it to illuminate in us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for His blessing upon this time of fellowship in the Word of God. Father, we just thank You for this day, Lord God, and, and truly it is Your day, Lord God, and we just want to be mindful of it, not just as some mundane, Lord God, another 24 hours to click off waiting for the next, Lord God, but this, this, this is the day, Lord Jesus. This is the day that You have made. This is not just a day that You've made, but this is the day that You have made. And today, Lord God, is not going to be like any other day. Lord God, there may be similarities and our responsibilities, Lord God. But today is going to be unique, Lord God, and, and because it is this day that we've never lived before, Lord God. And so every moment provides us an opportunity for a greater expectancy, Lord Jesus. Father, I don't know, this might be the day that your son, Jesus, comes back. And so if this is that day, Lord God, I want to be ready, Lord God, because the Word says that blessed is the servant, Lord God, who when the Master returns finds him so doing. And so, Lord God, we don't want to be looking back today. We want to put our hand to the plow, Lord God, and be pressing forward, Lord God, and, and and, and, and really striving, Lord God, to attain the, 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 the prize for the mark of the high calling, which is of God in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for this day. That This might be the day, Lord God, that our breakthrough comes. This might be the day that our healing comes, Lord God. This might be the, the day that that person that we were, have been praying for, Lord God, hadn't seen that is going to call us up and say, hey, i got good news for you. I just gave my life to Jesus, Lord God. Father, I want my day to be filled with that type of expectancy, Lord God. I want this to be the day, Lord God, of my breakthrough, of my miracle, Lord God, of my revelation. 
revelation, Lord God, of my understanding, Lord God. I want this to be the, the day that the light comes on, Lord God, in a, in, a, in a greater and more glorious way, Lord God. And so, Father, we just come to you and we acknowledge that this is that type of day because we serve that type of God. And, Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, that they might be struggling from day to day, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord God, that, that today they would have joy unspeakable and full of glory, that the power and the presence of God would show up, Lord God, in, in, in such a powerful way. Lord God, that you would just show yourself strong, Lord God, on our behalf, Lord God, that, that all of our enemies, Lord God, would be turned back and the accuser of the brethren would be cast down. I just rebuke all, all despondency and depression, Lord God, and discouragement. And, Lord God, I thank you that there is something greater than what we see, and it's what you have said. And so we come, Lord God, to hear the voice of God through the Word and through the Spirit of God that speaks in, into our hearts and lives and leads and guides us into all truth. So, Lord God, let this be the day, Lord God, for those that need a healing. Let this be the day that, that they get off, off, of that, off of that sick bed, Lord God. That this be the day, Lord God, even like the, the man that laid at the pool of Bethesda for those 38 years and, and all of a sudden you came by, Lord Jesus, and, and, and you asked him why he laid there and he said he didn't have any, any help to get up when the, when the angel would trouble the waters. And you told him, you said, arise, take up your bed and walk. And, and as soon as he did that, he it says that strength came into his body and he, and he rose and, and he went and began to testify. Lord God, let this be the, the day, even if somebody's been laying by, by their pool of Bethesda for 38 years or 38 minutes or 38 days, Lord God, or whatever it is, Lord God, let this be the day of rising up and walking, Lord God, and declaring the power and the, the restoration of the Lord Jesus Christ through the finished work of the cross of Calvary, Lord God. And Father, we just ask for your anointing on this time of... Uh, teaching, Lord God, this time of uh, understanding your word. I pray for those that, that have, had, have difficulty sometimes, Lord God, just being able to take in and comprehend what you're speaking. I just pray, Lord God, that you would just anoint their, their mind and their ears to, to, to hear and to understand and to comprehend, Lord God, that you would just give them a discernment, Lord God, and a wisdom in the word, Lord God. You would just cause them, Lord God, to, to have a level of understanding, Lord God, and a grasp of the, of the things of God. Yea, Lord God, the deep things of God, that they would be able to see and search those things out, those unsearchable riches, Lord God. Father, the be a rhema to them, Lord God. It'd be a word that's that's powerful and quickening, Lord God, and, and compelling, Lord God, and, 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 and creates an urgency and expectancy in the heart of believers, Lord God. Father, I just pray, Lord God, that you would touch, heal, Lord God, restore, empower, and fill, Lord God, and enable us, Lord God, to have opportunities, Lord God, not to just take this word and sit on it, Lord God, but to take this word out, Lord God, and both begin to proclaim it, Lord God, to the lost and the dying, Lord God, the broken and the wounded in all nations, Lord God, as we go out, Lord God, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uh, Lord God, in even the uttermost parts of the world, Lord God, pro uh, proclaiming the name of Jesus, Lord God, with signs, wonders, and miracles following to confirm that word, Lord God. And we thank you for all these things. And everybody said, Amen, 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 and Amen. So y'all ready for today? Amen. If you're there, uh, turn your Bibles. We're on the 10th chapter, if you're joining us for the first time. 10th chapter of the book of Romans. And I'll give me a little good sip of this coffee that, that Deb hooked up on this uh, Automated bun coffee maker. That's not an advertisement. That's just a good coffee maker. Are we going to what? Verse twelve. We're we're going to be somewhere. Yeah, we'll be we'll be in verse twelve today. But I want to I want to I want to deal with something real quick and kind of touch on it. Yesterday was such a uh, you know I I think I got a couple of emails from folks about what we we're talking about the whole sinner's prayer. And so yesterday we really dealt with that uh, the whole misunderstood and misappropriated as a real issue that has become this whole thing called the sinner's prayer. And you ask people, have you ever, have you ever, you know, I've, I've heard people witnessing before. Once again, sincere people, and they'll go to somebody and say, have you ever prayed the sinner's prayer? And people, well, what do you mean? And well, you, have you ever asked? And they'll get into what the sinner's prayer is. But it's almost like there's this. Uh, there's this mythical uh, sinner's prayer, and it's kind of almost like you know, if you if you uh, learn the the secret word or the secret the magical phrase, and and I hear sincere believers asking people all the time on the streets of witness, have you ever prayed? So have you ever prayed the sinner's prayer? And it's like, well, if you've ever prayed it, then all of a sudden you know you're 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 you're, you're translated into this this floating untouchable orb of of, of 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 salvation, folks. Listen, you know, I know it's sincere, but it's sincerely misunderstood and and sincerely misappropriated. So it's or, or or you know the scene and so the sinner's prayer having someone really repeat a a kind of a formatted prayer based upon Romans chapter nine and ten that we talked about and so what what will happen is people will get people to say that then they'll start, suddenly declare them saved and on their way to heaven because they prayed that prayer and folks there's many many good intentioned people that that have made really a habit out of the practice of telling someone 
about the Bible or about uh, uh, heaven and then telling them that they will just simply pray and ask Jesus into their hearts, they'll be saved. Now, th- that sounds good. And once again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they're very sincere. I'm, I, I'm saying in most cases that people that are applying that, it's not that they're... Uh, that they're trying to be evil or trying to get a notch in their belt. In most cases, uh, but they are sincere, and as Deb said over here, sincerely wrong, as, and I've said it here many times as well. And so while, they're sinc- while, while sincerity, uh, while they've been sincere probably at, at one time or another, the, it, what, what happens at one time, uh, something slipped and they forgot that it's about people. People's lives being changed for eternity. And so, folks, if we lose the grasp of, listen, that we've got the, the word of truth and the word of life into someone, it's going to be, it's no longer going to be re, uh, reduced down to just a, a simple uh, Christian mantra. It's going to be a life-transforming experience. You know, I was in a church that I've ministered at on several occasions. And I remember the pastor, you know, it's a, it's a midweek service, and he's standing up there in front of, you know, probably 900,000 people. And he begins to give, quote-unquote, the altar call. And uh, I, I was sitting there just waiting for the time that he was going to tell the people that they actually needed to repent or sin or anything else. And it, it did. It started out just like you remember the script that I read that this ministry puts out and has people read this script. And it's, he started out the same way. You know, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. And if you've been having problems, you need to come up here because God's going to fix your problems. If you've been having struggles, come up here. God's going to fix your struggles. Folks, listen. Uh, I, I got I, When I got genuinely born again over two decades ago, ago i've still had many struggles i've still had many challenges i've still had all these things but the kicker was i I, i've got i've got christ in me that not just uh, keeps me from avoiding to go through those things but i actually get to go through those things and i get to have victory on the other side folks christianity is not the easiest thing you'll ever do it is the most difficult thing that you will ever do and if your christianity is not a difficult process that causes you to die every day folks it is not christianity it is something that you may be part of the moral majority or whatever else you want to be a part of or a good denominational circle but christianity will will burn you up it will it will cause you to be challenged it will cause you to be sifted it will it will cause you to be transformed it will cause every inch of who you were to have to die deep and, and confess the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis and take up your cross and follow Him. That's what Christianity promises. But the problem is, I can't go and tell people that and get these mass numbers. But folks, listen, I've said this before right here on this program. Uh, it's, this is a whosoever will gospel, but it's not going to apply to the multitudes. It's not going to appeal, I should say. To, it applies to the multitudes, but it will not appeal to the multitudes. It will only appeal to the narrow way crowd. Because most people want something that's just going to help them be themselves. We want something, if we're genuine believers, we want something that's going to cause us to decrease that we can be like Jesus. And so, folks, listen, you know, while sincere probably with this whole sinner's prayer deal, and probably at one time built upon a greater depth and understanding what Paul was conveying, uh, it, it has changed. It's morphed into something. So here, here's the problem I want to give you today, and kind of just as I, as I kind of wrap up and sum up what we talked about yesterday, is, is the, and with this whole sinner's or pray the sinner's prayer type thing that people get to have. Most people, and once again, sincere people, mind you, would say, well, it's, it's right here in black and white. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so probably, there's probably people saying, well, Pastor Troy, you're just making it too complicated. That's what the Word says. That's what I stand upon. And that's what I'm going to do. He said, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now, is that the truth? Absolutely, that's the truth. And so people say, well, if I can just get somebody to confess with their mouth the Lord and believe in their heart, they'll be saved. Well, folks, listen. A lot of people will say that and, and because they, don't, they know about the Word of God and don't know the Word of God. They're sincere in that, but once again, they're, they're, it's a misappropriated uh, sincerity. Because they don't realize that there were nine and a half chapters prior to this one verse that actually detailed what that meant. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so it's what it's like. It's like turning to the back of an instruction book for a riding lawnmower that arrives at your house totally disassembled in a crate. And in the back of the book it says, Now sit down and have a great day mowing the grass. You know, what would that do? You, you know, now it does say sit down, and, 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 but if you sit down on it now, you're, 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 it's not going to do you a bit of good. You know, you're, it's, it's, it won't be a lawnmower. It will only be the junk that you're sitting on. Not that the parts aren't good parts or parts that are valuable for something, but apart from the plan that precedes all of those, they're just potentially good parts that have no actual 
function. They have no power until you get the instructions on how to assemble those parts together. And so you, get, you read the book and it says, sit down and have a great time. It's because you've read instructions and you followed the instructions of, 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 of pages one through nine and a half of the instruction manual. And so that's what the, uh, the sinner's prayer is. It's just a part of the process that declares everything that you've learned through the Word of God. It's, it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a very deep process. It's a very intimate process. It's a very demanding process of the individual for both the death to himself and a devotion to God. And so, folks, listen. The first nine and a half chapters describe, really, here's, here's the deal. They describe the depravity of man. They describe his desperate need for a redeemer. They describe the hard and desperate heart of the individual. They describe man's ongoing attempts to conjure up and create his own righteousness. They describe people that, that just, just thought they were okay and as long as they joined a group. Uh, they, they deal with laying down your life, repenting, and completely turning from sin. They, uh, uh, they talk about identifying with the death of Christ and becoming a slave to righteousness. See, they, all these things, they, they talk about that if I walk in the Spirit that I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so Paul says, okay, now you have a thorough understanding of what I'm talking about. So if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. Folks, the problem with the whole sinner's prayer is, is we extract this, that one portion of, now sit down on the lawnmower and have a great day more in your grass, without understanding that there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of components, a lot of pieces. Folks, listen, that verse without an understanding of who Jesus is and what repentance is all about is just like the junk in a box that would potentially produce a lawnmower. That standing alone, that half, uh, that, that one verse, Romans 9, 10, and 11, will not do a person any good unless they understand what Paul was talking about. It is not a magical mantra that you can wave and you can say, well, I got them to pray the prayer. They're going to get to heaven. No, go and sit down on a pile of junk and call it a lawnmower. You're not going to get two inches across the lawn and it will not do anything. It's just a potential type of thing. And folks, listen, I hope that you, I hope, I'm, well, and as I was thinking about that, I hope that kind of makes you understand what I'm getting at when I say about this whole sinner's prayer. Sinner's prayer is great if I have nine and a half chapters and thus with us, you know, what, what has it been? You know, how many hours of, of, of teaching and understanding on that subject? Now, am I saying that, uh, that it's got to be that detailed to a person? Absolutely not. But they better have an understanding of, of what it means to be saved and what it means not to be saved. What it means to, to repent and turn from unrighteousness. What it means that, 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 that you've got to walk in the Spirit and what it means to walk in the Spirit. Otherwise, what you're going to do is, once again, you're going to have people sitting on, their, on, a, uh, on, a, on a junk pile. But here's, here's the thing. If you back up, it says, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him shall not be ashamed. Now, can you imagine telling all your friends, i got this great brand new John Deere track and I want y'all to come by and watch me mow my grass and they show up and you're just sitting on a pile of junk and they begin to mock you? That's what they're going to say. They're going to say, you're an idiot. You, that's not a lawnmower. That's a pile of junk and you're going to be ashamed. But folks, listen, when I have a command of the Word of God, I need not be ashamed. I can walk in confidence. I can walk in boldness. I can walk in uh, assurance of my salvation. You can ask me if, if, I'm, if I died, if I'm going to heaven, I can say absolutely unwavering. You can, you can ask me if Christ is alive in me. Absolutely. You can ask me if I'm walking in righteousness. Yes, I am. You can ask me if, if, if God is doing a work and, and walking in power in my life. Yes, I am. Why? Because I know and I walk according to the first nine and a half chapters. And so the declaration of that, that, that one verse is just the fruit, it's just the, 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 it's just the, the epitaph of everything else that I know. And so folks, with this whole sinner's prayer, you've got to understand there's nine and a half chapters of Scripture prior to that one solitary, uh, that one solitary declaration, if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. So folks, that is the environment that the original sinner's prayer was designed to operate in, not in this quick, scripted, insincere fire insurance, non-life-transforming uh, magical mantra that will never, never, ever bring about the newness of life in someone's life. And so if somebody thinks that, you know, listen, we can just say a little quick thing and give a little testimony or, or, or say something and, hey, do y'all want that? Do y'all want your life changed? And so walk up in front of a football stadium with, with 10,000 other people and think that suddenly the magical mantra is going to do something for me. Folks, it really won't without repentance and understanding that your life is desperate without Christ Jesus. And at, that, and at the time that you ask Him to come into your life as Lord and Savior, that your life ceases to exist. That you have been bought with a price and no, you're no longer your own. All your decisions from that point are made for you that you can't say well I want God but you know what I've got to live my life folks listen if you come to Christ your life is over 
Do you hear me? And so if you're thinking, well, I, I want him, but I got these other plans, your plans are over. He says he has a plan for you to, to, to give you an expected end, but that expected end is going to, only going to come with a, with a dedicated obedience towards that expected end. So, folks, if you're going to offer someone Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, then you had better first offer them Romans chapter 1, verse 1, through Romans chapter 10, verse 8. And so you've got to give them. So Romans 10, 9 and 10 will have its value and power with an understanding and a comprehension of what God has spoken and what He requires from your life and what it really genuinely means to be saved and changed and transformed through the power of God. Does that, does, I hope that helps you just a little bit and gives you kind of a, a picture. I like to, to give you kind of a picture of what that would look like uh, uh, with the Word of God because I know some people are very visual. So if we can give you a, a visual to kind of help you with that understanding about that. I know some people probably came out and said, well, Pastor Troy's saying don't lead anybody in sinner's prayer. I, I, didn't, I wasn't saying that at all. I said, you know, you can lead people to a place of prayer. But what you're going to find is you, if you preach the first nine chapters of the book of Romans, to, to an individual. And I, I don't mean saying, okay, let me read this. I'm just telling you, if you'll give them the truths, if you'll extract the truths of that first nine chapters. And listen, I want to encourage you, you guys that, 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 that are walking in obedience to the Lord in the Great Commission, uh, on a regular basis, on a re- read the first nine chapters of the book of Romans. If you're saying, listen, we're going to go out witnessing this week, sit down before you ever go out and take about an hour and a half and read those first nine chapters of the book of Romans. That way, when you come to that position on a street corner or across a a, a workstation at at work or whatever else, and you go to present them verses 9 and 10 of chapter 10, they've got a thorough understanding of what you're talking about. Why? Because you're, you're, you're extracting the truth out of those first nine and a half chapters and you give it to them. So really, I encourage you, uh, if, if you're all about soul winning, get a grasp of those first nine and a half chapters. Why? Because they're going to influence and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to measure out the, the word that you speak with power and authority in a way that, uh, if, that you would not be able to understand apart from that. So, folks, the sinner's prayer, it's great if it's preceded by the declaration of what it means to be saved and the cross and the sin nature and all these other things that we've spent 145 hours talking about, okay? So now I can bring you to the sinner's prayer. So if you're out there today and you want to get saved, hallelujah. You know, believe in your heart, pray, and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you'll be saved. So if you weren't saved up to this point, get saved today because I think you, you may have got an understanding about it. So Romans 10, 9 and 10, that's what it really comes down to. It is the sinner's prayer, but it's, it's the end of the instruction book on salvation, not the beginning. And it's not something that can stand alone without an understanding of genuinely what it means to confess and to believe and to know what Christ Jesus did and who you were prior to uh, your salvation. So uh, then we're going to get to verse 11. Verse 11 says this. It says, For the Scripture says... Now, now uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm back. Verse 11 said, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him shall not be ashamed. And so then you have that basis. Then you don't, like I said, you don't have to be ashamed. You can walk in hope. You don't have to walk in that... And here, here I, want to, I want to interject this. You hear people say all the time, I'm just a sinner saved from grace. Saved by grace. You know, they're saved from grace, I think, in many cases. But they say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You know why they say that? Because they've only been given a Romans chapter 9, 10, verses 10 and 11 salvation, or 9, 10, 11 verse salvation, rather than a Romans chapter uh, 1 through uh, 1, 1 through uh, uh, 10, 9 salvation. Folks, listen, unless you have an understanding, all you are is going to be just a struggling saint. All you're going to be is this, this uh, casual, uh, counterfeit Christian that never has victory. And so, but if you believe that, for the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be ashamed. You don't need to walk around ashamed. You don't need to walk around uh, half-stepping and in compromise. You need to walk in victory. But the only way you're going to have victory, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith in what? Faith in the totality of the Word of God and the instruction towards righteousness that He gives us. Then He says in verse 12, Romans 10, 12. So, if anybody, if everybody got that, say Amen. Because I, I do want you to have an understanding of that. But I don't want you to have a misunderstanding of what I'm talking about either. So hopefully you got a better understanding of that picture of what it means to lead somebody in the sinner's prayer and what needs to proceed that declaration of their life. And so Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 12 says this. It says, For there is no difference. And now, now, let's get in context. He's talking about this whole process of bringing someone to Christ. Then he tells them, listen... When, when you come to that understanding, when you come to that declaration that He comes into your life, then you don't have to be ashamed. Then, then He says this. Now, I want you to, to keep that, that word that you don't have to be ashamed. Now, let's jump forward to His next phrase. 
And he says, now there is no difference between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all who is rich and shall, and, and that shall call upon him. For there is no difference between Jew, the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. That word Jew and Greek actually should have been translated Jew and Gentile. Okay? So he should have said there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. In the original, that's exactly what it said. It was just a uh, uh, understanding when it said Greek in that in that context. It was referring to anybody that was not a Jew, anyone that, that wasn't from the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. So what it does, it refers to whom can be saved. Anyone that would be willing is basically what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you've understood all those things, if you confess, he's saying anyone that would be willing, regardless of who they were, what they did, could now put their faith and hope in Jesus and what he has done for them and for all upon the cross of Calvary. And so he's coming to me saying, guys, listen, there is no difference between Jew and Greek. If you'll come to that place of understanding what it means to repent and turn to Jesus and, and live by faith in the, in the finished work of the cross, he's saying, I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your past is like. I don't care if you were the, 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 the raunchiest, rankest sinner. I don't care if you're the person that, 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 that had always walked chaste and, and above reproach. He's saying, listen, there is no difference. He's saying the playing field has been uh, equaled because of Christ Jesus. Now, if you're there today and you say, God, I want you to use me to, in the ministry. I want you to use me to preach the gospel. And you say, but I don't have the, the background. I don't have the credentials. I don't have the, the, the pedigree. Folks, listen. The playing field has been leveled because of the cross of Calvary. The, the Holy Spirit comes to lead and guide you into all truth. If you have a desire to go and, 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 and share the, and, and witness to people with boldness, listen, it has been provided for you in the cross. If you want to go out and, and pray for the sick and see them recover through the power of the Holy Spirit, it has been provided for you in the cross. If you want to be able to sit down in a venue like this and preach the Word of God with, with, with clarity and with understanding and, and, and instruct people, in ways, it has been, the playing field has been leveled because of the cross. Folks, listen, regardless of where you came from, regardless of what your past was. Today we got people, we got, we got folks uh, that, that have, uh, like my mom and dad, my dad, a hard working guy all his life. My, my dad was never out shooting people or, or doing things. He's just been a, a nice guy. Yeah, he had problems and issues in his life, but as far as him being on the FBI's uh, 10 most wanted list, he wasn't there. The cross has leveled the playing field for him. You got Pastor Monzel right here. It says Raven, South Florida, a member of, of gangs in, in, in South Central Los Angeles. Got bullet uh, holes, uh, a scar still in his body. But the playing field has been leveled for, for them. You, you've got Deb here. He, she's a former uh, person. She's been in the military. You know, a, a single lady that loves God. Certainly had things she's had to overcome. But listen, the playing field has been leveled for, for her. You got uh, 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 Mercedes that's on here that, that she, she came from Cuba. She, she had a, a, a lifestyle of things that, that happened and destruction that came into her life. Uh, many sins uh, that came, but the playing field has been leveled for Mercedes. Folks, listen. You, you, you see how what it does? He says there's no difference. Listen, when you come to Christ, you come to Him and you are wretched, you are broken, you are confused, you are, you are filled with filth. But once the blood of Jesus comes into your life, it doesn't matter who you came from. Nobody's going to look down their nose at you. Nobody's going to say, well, listen, because of the mistakes that you made, because of the, 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 because that you committed a crime, or because that you dropped out of school, or, or because you went through a divorce, or because you made a bad decision, or, or, or you were bankrupt, or you're rich, or whatever else, or you're educated, you're uneducated, whatever it is. He's saying, listen, there is no difference. When you come to Christ Jesus, you've got to come naked. You've got to come, and I, when I say that, I mean it obviously figuratively. You, you've got to come to Him exposed, realizing that there's nothing apart from Him that's of any value. So that's what he's, he's saying right here. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is over all, he's, and He is rich unto all that call upon Him. And so that statement right there that where He says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, uh, in itself was kind of like putting a hot poker in the eye of the Jews. And, and to, for, for, for Paul to say, literally, it was like to say that the Gentiles were on a level playing field with them, really it struck at their national pride and removed their mentality of elitism. It says, listen, God can use them. 
I know that you had the law of Moses and you added 600 other oral laws to it that just, that just muddied up the thing. But I'm telling you that the Gentiles have just an opportunity. They've got a, they've got a covenant with God. They've, they've, they've got favor with God. They've got a promises for God. They can have the power of God for that. God has, has, has leveled the playing field. And if somebody out there today say, you know what, man, you know, Pastor Troy, you've walked with the Lord a long time. You, you, you've seen God do these things. You, you, you've seen that. Folks, listen, I'm no better than you. The, 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 the same Jesus that's empowered me is the same Jesus that's, uh, that's there for you. The same Spirit that enables me to do things that transcend my limited, finite ability is the same Holy Spirit that's come into your life. Matter of fact, it's more exciting for you. Why? Because I believe that in this hour, God is doing something so rapid and so uh, 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 an exponential in increase and acceleration of things. And so the things that it's taken me 20-something years to, to learn and, and to get an understanding, man, I'm seeing God do it in other people in 20-something months. The things that took me 20-something months, God's doing it in other people in 20-something days. Now, do I despise that and say, well, it took me all this time to do that? No, I want God to accelerate. You know why, folks? Because we're about His kingdom. We're not about man-made ministry. We're not about getting our face on a, on, a, on a billboard. We're about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We're about seeing Him lifted up. We're about seeing people drawn to Him. We're about seeing you empowered Thoroughly, that you can go out and change your world. Whether your world is in Hanover, Pennsylvania, whether your uh, world is New Orleans, Louisiana, Phoenix, Arizona, Santa Rosa, California, Daytona Beach, Florida, whether it's Amarillo, Texas, wherever your world is, we're believing that the same God that has enabled us to go and preach that word with authority and power and the demonstration of, 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 of the Spirit of God in our lives is the same Spirit that God has for you and it's Him that will measure and meet out with you and you, if you seek earnestly His face that God is going to be a rewarder of those who are diligent after Him. That's what we're talking about. Seeing the lives change. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. So I want you to get that in your heart. That it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your past failures. Why? Because you're being changed not based upon who you were, but who, who God is you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And folks, listen. As the testator dies, as the person with the testimony dies, what happens? God enlivens the testimony. The Word says that the testimony has no power until the one giving it is dead. And so if you're willing to die to yourself, what happens? God will raise a testimony out of those ashes. God will raise a, a testimony out of that life of, 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 of immorality. God will raise a testimony out of that life of violence. God will raise a testimony out of that life of, of disappointment. God will raise a testimony out of that life of depression. God, hallelujah. As I'm saying that, boy, I'm just getting a, a witness all over me because I know somebody this morning needs to hear that. That, that may, You may find yourself in, a, in a, a, serious, a situation that seems like ruin, but right now in the midst of that, because of the Spirit of God, because of the Word of God has come unto you, God is raising up a testimony of power and of holiness and of righteousness and of overcoming right out of the ashes of your situation. As God's going to show you that He's bigger than your past, He's bigger than anyone's pronouncement about you, and that the, 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 the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And God is the one that's going to elevate you and lift you up and use you in due season to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. There is no difference based upon where you came from or whatever, the difference is the cross of Calvary. And if we can be identified with Him, and we can be partakers of that, we're going to be partakers of the power of God to change and transform our life. He said there's no difference. There's no diastole, which means literally to draw to a place of distinction or division between two things. In other words, he is saying, listen, I want to tell you something. There, there is no distinction. When you come to me, everybody's got to come on the same terms. Everybody's got to come in the same way. And so I hear people talking about, you know, we've, we've mentioned these ones that say, well, you know what? God's going to deal with the Jews later. We don't have to come to a place of, 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 of calling them to repentance because it's going to happen. Folks, listen, I don't care if you're a Jew, Greek, Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever else. We've got to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through Him. So we've got to come to that place. And so the point being is that you are either with Christ, redeemed, or you're apart from Christ, needing redemption. That's basically what he's saying. There's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. You're, at, you're either uh, for him, or what does Matthew 6.24 says? No man can serve, what, two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll love the other and, and dis, uh, uh, hold to the one and despise the other. Or Matthew 12.30 says, He that is not uh, with me is against me, and he that is not, is not gathering with me scatters abroad. Which is so important, folks, listen, because the fruit of that, the fruit of the salvation experience, the, the fruit of what is summed up in that, we talked about that sinner's prayer, 
is a gathering with Him. Now, if I'm gathering, what am I doing? I'm bringing other people into the kingdom. I'm bringing people with me. I'm gathering people out. So if, if I'm not with Him, what do I do? I'm scattering. In other words, I'm not doing anything to pull people together for the cause of Christ. I'm not saying, well, let's, let's come together. Let's get into the Word. Let's get into prayer. Now, let's go out and, and bring people, uh, other people into the fold who is of Christ Jesus. So I'm either going to be with Him and doing that, or I'm going to be apart from Him, and that will not be the fruit of my life. And so here's what's it. The next phrase, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. Now, folks, there's prosperity people that will pull that word rich out, and I'm sure they'll use that as a way to line their pockets. And so he's not saying, well, well, the Lord over you, He's rich, and, you know, Jesus really, uh, you know, He said He didn't have a place to lay His head. That meant because He had people holding His head up, or He was so... People give you all kind of nonsense like that. But what that does is that really tells us uh, kind of a few things about what it's saying. And the first thing is, when he's talking about he's, he, he is rich unto all that call upon him, it's not talking about God filling your bank account or you're filling your pockets or making you wealthy or you're driving a, a new Escalade or whatever else. What it's saying is that, is that there is one Savior and Redeemer for the entirety of the world. That's what he's saying. Regardless of where you come from or what your situation is, there is one Redeemer and one Savior for anyone. Regardless if your past was just a rank heathen, whether it was a Muslim, whether it was a Buddhist, whether it was this carnal Christian that thought you were saved but you were just religion, regardless who it was, he said there is one Redeemer over all the world. From all the way to the, from the North Pole to Antarctica, from east to west, there's one Redeemer. And so that's what he's saying. And so the emphasis that he puts upon that word right there, that the same Lord is that word Lord, which says Jesus. Jesus is God. That's what he said. He says, for the same God, the same Lord, this one that I'm talking about is God. And so this is important for all people that are willing to accept Jesus as the Son of God, but do not want to acknowledge that he is God himself. Folks, I hear people all the time say, well, the Bible never says that Jesus is God. He's just the Son of God, and, and so I, you know, I, I want to go straight to God. And it's almost like they, they think that, that, that He's just this separate uh, entity or this, this separate God or, or a lesser of the two, and, and they think that you know, God the Father is guilty. You know, I hear people all the time, and I've heard this on numerous occasions. You'll be praying, and they'll say, well, that's, I've got a problem. You know, uh, I always hear these people uh, praying to Jesus, but you know, uh, God deserves to get prayed to as well. Folks, Jesus is God. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God incarnate. He is God come in the flesh. Folks, there's no division in the Godhead. It's not these three, uh, three gods, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, vying and jockeying for position. It says that the, He is Elohim. He is that singular plurality that functions as one. There's no division. There's no dividing. There's no jealousy. There's no jockeying for position. That is one God eternally made manifest in three persons or personalities. In three, uh, in three dispensations or in, in three manifestations, he is, he is, he is, he is God in one. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. They're, 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 they're nothing apart from one another, and apart from one another, they're nothing. That is God made manifest in the flesh. And so, folks, listen. He is declaring who He is, and the words overall. Uh, really further that truth because what they declare is that Jesus is the creator of all things and so consequently all things must answer to Jesus. And so if you hear people talk about they'll say stuff like uh, well you know what uh, Allah or uh uh, uh, or whatever other God, they're all the same and just people call them different. Folks, absolutely not. There's only one name under heaven wherein a man can be saved. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. And so if we think that they're serving a, a, the same God, folks, it's not the same God. Because the God that we serve, that come down from heaven, he, He's identified by that name of Jesus. His Lordship, it comes through that name. His, uh, the salvation only comes through my faith in that name. The Word tells us that I can have the Father, but if I have the Father without the Son... I don't have either. But if I have the Son, I have everything. And so my only access point to a relationship with God the Father is through the, the finished work of the One who is called the Creator of all things, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I love Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 14 through 18 says this. Colossians 1, 14 through 18. It says, In whom, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? So what does it say? He is the image. He is the reflective. He is what we can see of God. He is, he is how we can describe God. And so if we want to know who God is, we just got to look to Jesus. What Jesus tell him? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
If you, if you, if you know how I operate, you know how the Father is. If you, if you see my, uh, the mercy, you know that the Father is merciful. If you see my power, you know that the Father is powerful. Why? Because when you've seen Him, you've seen me. He is the image. He is that, that, that representative physical manifestation of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of every creature. So He's the one that came to, to be uh, demonstrative of who we can be in Him through faith. And it says in verse 16 of Colossians chapter 1, it says, For be, by Him... All things are created. How many things are created? All things. Now let's look where they're created. Things that are in heaven, things that are in the earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, there's that word all, it's the Greek word pos, means all-encompassing, everything, missing nothing. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things He might have preeminence. Folks, listen, I think He's pretty clear on that when He says all things. Now, I didn't count those up myself, but all things is repeated at least probably about a half dozen times just within those, those five verses of Scripture. And so when, when he comes to us and says, and he, and he tells us that there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over, over all is rich that call upon Him. He's basically telling us, listen, if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have an assurance of those previous nine and a half chapters and of believing in Him coming to your life. He is the one that holds the universe in the span of His hand. He is the one that spoke and, 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 and caused there to be light where there was only darkness before. And so if I come to Him, and I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? It doesn't matter what my life circumstances or situations present to me. Why? Because I serve the one who is able to do all things because all things were created by him. And so it, it, it tells us that he's the redeemer for the entirety of the world. It, it tells us that, 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 that he is over all things, that he has power and dominion. And see, folks, here's the good news about that. You know where he desires to dwell through his spirit? In us. And so if we serve in all things God, you know what we become? We become all things followers of Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that enormous? You know, I want to be in all things. When he tells me I can do what? All things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens me. What does he mean? He means I can do all things. And so the next time that you go to your church and they give you this little test and they say, well, because you checked out on this or because your personality did that, here's what you have to do. Oh, you, oh you're probably a minister of helps. So go clean the bathroom. You got you know, you got this. And so we don't want you to say anything. Do Folks, listen, you are in all things. Does all things mean you may get to clean the bathroom? Praise God it does. But all things also means you may have to preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You may have to prophesy. You may have to worship God. You may have to, to take care of children or teach youth. You may have to, to sit down and give an expository lesson on the book of Romans. You, you may have to do all things, but it's not based upon your inability. It's based upon your availability to an all things Savior. And so that's what he's telling this church at Romans. He said, listen, because the playing field has been leveled because of the cross, because uh, God has, has opened up a doorway and a pathway into to, to becoming once again restored to that image, to that reflection of the power and the glory and the knowledge of Christ Jesus, Boom! The all things Christ is presented an all things gospel that's going to make an all things believer upon you. And so then, it, then he goes on to say, he says, uh, for the same Lord overall uh, is is rich for all those that call upon Him. And so what that does is that the call upon Him basically says that we are free at any time to call out to Christ Jesus and that He will hear us. Every single time. We can call upon Him. That, that his, his, what's the old song we said? That, that uh, Central's never busy. He's always on the line. That you can call up, call on Jesus on that royal telephone. And so, listen, He's there. And so, I don't have to have a, a special prayer service. I don't have to have a, a special conjuring up or, or have the right music behind me or the right worship album or whatever else. Folks, listen, He's as close as the mention of His name. I can call upon Him and He is always near. His ear is not shortened that He cannot hear. His hand is not shortened that He cannot deliver. God is there. He's at all things and at all times. That's what he's saying. He's all things at all times. And you can call upon him. And so when you think to yourself, well, I know God doesn't want to bother with this. I, I've heard people say that. I know that God's got other more important things. Like, like God is just scurrying around with his hair up in the air because he's got way too many things. Folks, listen. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent in his reigning. He is able to do all things because he is God. And, and you don't understand that, that even with all these things on the planet Earth and with all these, these what, six or seven billion people... 
that that thing is just a fraction. It doesn't even register on the scope of what God is able to do. So if he's able to hold the universe in the span of his hand, folks, listen, he's able to hear and listen, to answer the prayer and the call of anyone that would just dare to call upon him and to approach him in their time of need. And so he is the only one that's able to hear, and he's the only one that's really actually able to do anything about your situation. So Isaiah 65, 24, I love this. Isaiah 65, 24. And it says, it shall come to pass. It'll what? It shall come to pass. Did it say maybe? Did it say hopefully? Did it say perhaps? Or if, if all the stars are in alignment or whatever else? It says, it shall come to pass, and I love this, that before they call, I will answer. And while they're speaking, I'll hear. Do you hear that? He said, it'll come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. In other words, folks, he's going to finish your sentence for you. In other words, he, he, has, he knows what you have need of even before you ask of it. Folks, you know, for me, my, my whole attitude in my prayer life and everything changed when I got a grasp of this right here. When I got a grasp of, the, of what he's talking about right here in, in, in Romans chapter 10 and what he's talking about right here in Isaiah chapter 65, that, that it will come to pass and before I ever cry out that God knows what I need even before I ask him. And so what it did, I, I don't have to sit there and say, okay, God, I have this wish lift, like, like, like I'm going and sitting on, on Santa's lap on December 24th. And you know what? I, I, I hope that you found me uh, 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 nice and not naughty. I hope that all these things... That, and Lord God, I've got this wish list, and I've got my spiritual PlayStation, and my, my spiritual Escalade, and all these things. I, I want you to give me all this stuff. And you know what? I can come to Him, and I can just enjoy being in the presence of God. I can just enjoy knowing Him. I can just say, God, you know what? Hey, you know what I have need of. You, you know what's coming. You, you know what my, my tomorrow holds. And so, God, I'm just going to trust you for that. I'm going to acknowledge you. And I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and, 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 and not lean upon my own understanding. And, and all, my, all my ways, I'm acknowledging Him, and He's going to bring direction in my path. Lord God, you know what's very best for me. I don't. I know what my wants are. I know what my flesh desires. I know that what my limited ability to comprehend and understand what you're doing want. But, Lord God, I trust you. And so, Father, can we just hang out? Can I just hang out in your presence? Can I just love on you? And can I just intercede for somebody else that may not know uh, what you have for them or somebody that doesn't know you? Folks, it really it changes your whole approach. And so it, it don't become this thing where you've got your wish list, list and once he delivers, you go on about your business until you have another wish list. It's spending time in knowing God for, just for the sake of spending time in knowing God. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time that it, 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 you, you, were, you were brought to your knees, not because of a tragedy, but because of just knowing Him, or just wanting to hear His voice, or just wanting to have that, 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 that sweet fellowship, and just wanting to, to, to bask in His presence? When's the last time that that was what drove you to your knees? He said, you know what, God, I, I love this, but I, I need to get home. Why, why do you need to get home? Is something the matter? Yes, something is in the matter. Man, I just miss that, that time of just being able just to, to get with Him. Or, 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 guys, you know what? Can we just shut down all the, the mayhem and the, 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 all the distractions? And I just, I just want to listen to God. Well, well, what's the problem? Well, does there have to be a problem to seek God? Does there have to be a problem that I'm weeping? Maybe I'm just overcome by His presence. Maybe I'm just so thankful that God is so good that, that, that He provides me an opportunity to, to call upon Him. And, and because that, that I can come boldly in the throne of grace and mercy and obtain help in my time of need. That's what he's talking about here, folks. But you'll only get that when you understand the previous nine and a half chapters of the book of Romans. And so what happens is you find people that have prayed a prayer uh, uh, with someone, really taking that, that into uh, consideration again, what we talked about, and you'll be seeing them go desperate. They'll, they'll be stumbling drunk or vomiting on themselves, going into a nightclub. And you're thinking, why are they here rather than doing that rather than loving Jesus? Why? Because they don't understand. They, they can't call upon Him because they don't know Him. They don't. They, they, they don't even know the number to get a hold of Him because why somebody told them it's just, simple, it's just as simple as just uttering some mantra and you're okay. Folks, listen. To have a deep intimacy with God, you've got to really genuinely know Him. But the only way you can know Him is to deny yourself. It's to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. You will never be able to follow Him without denying you. You hear me? Because he says, what did he tell us? You cannot serve two masters. You'll love the one. You're either gathering with him or you're scattering abroad. The intimacy of that knowledge and that intimacy of that relationship, that intimacy of that time with him is only going to come to a point where you say, listen, man, God, he's the one that holds my tomorrow. 
Why? Because He's the one that assured me of a future. He's the one that cleansed me of my past. He's the one that's the, uh, able to keep me, keep those things that I've committed unto Him. So all that would call upon Him, uh, uh, he, is, he is rich. And so the rich part is that it's a pluteo, P-L-O-U-T-E-O, would be an English rendering of that word. And it means to be wealthy and increased with goods. And it means that you belong to Him and that there is always an endless, abundant supply and that He dispenses His grace, His mercy, His hope, his healing, his joy with an endless, uh, overabundant supply that's never going to run out. And so if you're thinking, man, God has done, already done so many good things for me that, man, he, he may not want to do anything else. Folks, listen, he, he's, it's an endless supply. And when I'm talking about an endless supply, once again, I'm not talking about this whole uh, God's going to fill up my, my pockets. God's going to do something for me. It's going to make me uh, uh, wealthy and wise. That's, that's not what he's talking about whatsoever. He's saying that of his character, what he wants for you, that he has something uh, uh, to, to pour out in your life in, in power. That verse that you're asking about, sis, is uh, out of Matthew 12, uh, 30. Matthew 12:30. Matthew 12:30 is that verse that you're asking about right there. And so folks, then he goes on to say in verse 13 of Romans uh, chapter um, chapter 8. He says, "Then whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." There, then there's that whosoever. If I come to that point and I know him, then what happens? I become that whosoever will. I become the one that acknowledges him, that has surrendered my life. And so then when I call upon him, I'm going to be saved. And it speaks literally in that point of that person that's lost and unredeemed coming to Christ Jesus. And once he comes to that place, now he can call upon him and there's going to be salvation in his thought life. There's going to be salvation in his physical healing. There's going to be salvation in his relationships. There's going to be salvation. So when a person has that evidence of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they believe on him, then they can come to that place of acknowledging him and putting trust in him then you're not stressed out over all these things. And so when I call upon the name of the Lord, I shall be saved. And folks, listen, that's that same, that, that same uh, 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 idea that, 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 that Paul stood up on the day of Pentecost to preach. He said, it'll come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul's saying the exact same thing that Peter said in, in Acts chapter 2. And really to call upon him is to surrender title deed and ownership of your life to him. So if I'm willing to surrender everything to him, what's going to happen? If I call upon the name of the Lord. Folks, what's the name of the Lord? The name of the Lord is Jesus. And so if I call upon Jesus... I'm going to be saved. And so the only way I'm going to be saved is to call upon Jesus. Not to call upon Allah, not to call upon Krishna, not to call upon anything else. But if I call upon the name of Jesus, the, the maker of heaven and earth, then I'm going to be saved. Then he says in verse 14, he says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. And that's going to be our topic matter for the entirety of tomorrow's lesson. And so we hear all those things, those first nine and a half chapters of the book of Romans, and it really, the, 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 the summation is right there in verse 14. Here's where it starts bringing the responsibility for all those things to us. And so tomorrow, we're going to get into what it's talking about. How shall they call on Him? They who? The lost in whom they've not believed. How shall they believe in Him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? Without a minister of helps, without somebody that's sincere, no, without a preacher. And so, folks, listen, he's called every one of us to be preacher of the gospel. And we're going to talk about that in its entirety tomorrow. Folks, listen, we are totally out of time today. Thank you so much for being with us this morning for the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Be praying for us as well. We're going to be out. we got about a good nine days of bike week right here in Daytona Beach. If you're listening to this live, we got folks coming in. They're going to help with that. And we're going to preach the gospel. It is some hard soil. Because what you do is you have a lot of people there, mind you, that have prayed that prayers uh, that sinner's prayer and they 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 usually it's an affluent group when when I say bike week I'm not talking about hell's angels and the warriors or or uh, any of these other bike, bike I'm talking about I'm talking about usually affluent people that are coming in on their $40,000 Harley Davidson being pulled behind a $60,000 SUV and they put their brand new tight leather vest on for a few days and they think that they're uh, that they're representing uh uh, Harley Davidson. Folks, pray for us because it is so much pride, so much arrogance that we have to combat. So pray for us that we'll see a tremendous harvest for the kingdom of God. If you're in the area you want to come and join us, we'd love to have you. We need all the help that we can get. Also pray for the teams that are going to be out this weekend in New Orleans and in California and in Pennsylvania and various parts around the country that are out preaching the gospel for the cause of Christ. Folks, i got one bit of advice for you today as we close out. Get into God's Word. God's Word will get into you.